Radio Influence. Podcasting redefined. Why, Crusher, it's good to see you. You're listening to Crush Performance with the Crusher, Jeff Crushell. Get in on the talent grid and text Crush at 10 12 60 with your questions, comments, or smart-ass remarks. And welcome to Crush Performance, everybody. I am Jeff Crushell, the con man behind the glass, and we are your weekly source for performance information. Listen, if you want to reach out to us, do so. Crushperformance.com is the website. Questions, comments, smart remarks, get to us. Info at Crush Performance is the email. And if you have a topic or a question, or if you need help with something in your athletic development career, if you're a coach, a parent, or even an athlete, let us know. Here's what I can tell you. If we don't have the answer, we know somebody who will have that answer. Our network of people is tremendous, and the great thing about it is everybody's really willing to share when somebody needs some help, and let's face it, that's what the show's all about. On Twitter, you can follow me, at Jeff Crush, and on Facebook, Instagram, and our YouTube channel, check out Crush Performance. All right, today I think we have for you what I think is a very, very cool show. Coming to you from Puerto Rico, I'm down here with our MLB Academy as we look back on the first half of this training season and as we look to 2020 to figure out how we can help the young athletes in our academies here uh, tap into their potential and create as much opportunity as possible. It's a process of development. And one thing I can tell you, these environments that we put together with our MLB Academies around the world are absolutely tremendous. They really are. They're educational, um, they're developmental, and they're dealing with athletes um, as young as the cadets, 13, 14, right up to 18, 19, 20-year-olds, helping them you know, find their way through the game of baseball. And you know, one of the things that I've seen over the years as players work their way through the system and then beyond, whether they wind up coaching in their communities, whether they go on to college or whether they sign pro contracts, is just what a great community this is and how the things we learn inside of sport translate to virtually any pursuit we have in life. And this week, well, I should say the last couple of weeks have been actually been pretty special. I've had a chance to get around quite a bit here this fall. The summer was incredibly busy, but I've had a number of previous athletes in baseball, hockey, um, even some of our football players reach out and just say thanks. For, for no particular reason. And how rewarding is this? I think hopefully everybody's experienced this. But this has been a real great couple weeks for me on this regard. Because uh, to hear from these athletes that, you know, I've spent maybe a little time with or maybe a lot of time, just to have them reach out and just say thanks, man, just it's so rewarding. That's worth everything. And it kind of got me thinking about the fact that when we look at the development of an athlete, and I know how frustrating and hard it can be at times, um, nobody does it alone. That's the thing. Nobody does it alone. And it's all about sharing information, providing guidance, support. I mean, that's coaching. That is coaching in essence. And uh, the sharing of information and, and providing insight or guidance is just one of the ways you can contribute to a young developing athlete or an elite mature athlete, just perspective from outside the box. Cause sometimes we get lost, we get lost in our worlds. And sometimes we just need to be reminded that there's a, a bigger world out there or there's different approaches. And so uh, to hear from some of these athletes, 
and to see how great they're doing, whether they're still involved in sport or not, is just really tremendous. And that's what the show is all about. And that's what I wanted today to be all about. When I was trying to think about what do I want this episode to be, you know, coming off of two fantastic episodes, speaking of sharing information and providing guidance, you know, one of the things here when we started Crush Performance, one of the things we really wanted to do was just open the doors. You know, I've been really, really lucky to be involved in the world of high performance sport Man, for almost 20, (laughs) going on maybe 30 years right now. And to see even thinking back how I've developed and the things I've learned and even am still learning today, it's incredible. But the people that you get access to when you're working in professional sports is absolutely incredible. And uh, when we started Crush Performance, one of the things that I really wanted to accomplish was to maybe share those people or, or, or provide access to some of those people um, to get everybody thinking about some of the things that, that we're lucky enough to be exposed to in the world of professional sports. Because there's a trickle-down effect. You know, if you listen to the show at all, you've heard us say many, many times that if you want to figure out what to do, look to the pros. I mean, you know, we also sometimes look to the pros to figure out what not to do. We don't hit the opponent over the head with our helmets. Uh, We don't steal signs. You know what I'm talking about. Uh, We learn from the pros. And it is a great environment to learn from, especially if you're aspiring to work towards that direction or if that's one of your goals. And and I think that's uh, an honorable, great goal to have, by the way. And one of our goals here at Crush Performance is to share that information with as many people as possible, to give you access to some of the expertise and the thinking that goes behind or goes on at the higher levels of sport. Because if you're working towards that world, um, you wouldn't believe how much of it actually is applicable at the developmental levels. We just don't do enough of it. I mean, just look at our last two shows. Hall of Fame goaltender Ken Dryden talking about his new book, Scotty, A Hockey Life Like No Other. We had a chance to talk with one of the greatest goaltenders, hockey players of all time, about one of the greatest coaches and leaders of our time. To get some insight into how Scotty Bowman ran his teams, created his environments, how he thought, and make no mistake, he was the engineer behind all of those great, great teams. And it wasn't just the talent. He figured out a way to empower every player that he worked with to be their best, to tap into their best. And that is a skill. Boy, that's a skill that we can actually apply on ourselves, not just the people around us. Man, what a treat. Again, that was the show from a couple weeks ago. And then last week, of course, one of the crush favorites, Dr. Charles Samuels for the Center for Sleep and Human Performance, talking about our number one priority in human development, which is sleep, rest, and recovery. And to shed light on this, I just don't think we can talk about this enough. But the, the overlying theme of that conversation last week with Dr. Samuels is so, so important. One, the importance of sleep. There's no question about it. But the clear, strong message that over-the-counter sleep aids are a dangerous, dangerous game to start playing with yourself or with your athletes. And Dr. Samuels lays it right out. Not just that, though, you know, talking about strategies for international travel or time zones, whether you're in sport or business or going on vacation, there's something to take away for everybody there. But also the idea of new science, what we're still learning about sleep and how to maximize performance Sleep's a major player, and the idea that we can actually bank sleep, wow, that's a lot of fun. And that was last week's conversation, and that's what I'm talking about. So it was interesting. The other day here in Puerto Rico, we're at a, we're at a session with our players, 
And one of the coaches uh, was just thanking me for coming back to Puerto Rico to share information. And, and I love it. I mean, just sharing information and seeing the programs come together, helping them maybe develop, giving them some ideas and seeing the players prosper in these environments. There is absolutely nothing that's more rewarding. I can tell you that right now in a professional standpoint, but to have a coach come and say, hey, thanks for coming back to Puerto Rico. Uh, you know, and as they, he was introducing me to the players, one of the players who is a returning player here at, at one of our academies uh, put up his hand and said, hey, Jeff, hey, I wanted to ask you, who, who was somebody that helped you get where you are? And I thought that was kind of a, uh, a bizarre question. Just at that point in time, just as we're sort of starting our training session, I was just, just getting introduced by the coaches and one of the players who I think has been in the academy now, this is his third year, starting his third year. Uh, so great to see him. But he actually asked me who was one of the people that helped me get, get to where I am today. And it really had me thinking. There's so many people. I mean, if we think back to all the people who influence us, I mean, there's two major influencers on development and two major influencers on maybe who we become. And that's the people around you and your environment, your parents, your friends. For me, my grandparents were really, really important people in my life. I was really lucky. I grew up on a farm. My grandparents lived in town. So when I was playing cool school sports, um, I basically lived with them during the school year so I could uh, participate in after school sports. It was fantastic. They were a big, big part of my life. Our teachers, our coaches, of course. And for me personally, my, the coaches and the, the, the profs at, at my university, you know, when I was kind of figuring things out in life, you know, you kind of get to that university age, you've been through the ringer a little bit, you've got some life experience, things start taking shape and those people influence you in a very, very different way. And so of course, there's a number of profs at university who really, really shifted me in my thinking. And I have to thank every one of them for sure. But when I sat back and thought for a second, you know, in, in my career, who, who really helped me maybe and maybe influenced me the most in, in how I do my job, there's one person that really stands out. Certainly, all my colleagues in professional sports, the athletic trainers, the strength coaches, the GMs, the managers, the, the position coaches, the, you know, you learn from everybody. And I honestly did. I had just great people in every single sport, whether it was the NHL teams, the pro football teams, the, the, the major league baseball teams, my time with the Blue Jays, of course. The colleagues and coaches, very, very, very influential. And they still influence me today. But um, I was lucky enough in my time with the Blue Jays to meet a very incredible person by the name of Harvey Dorfman. Harvey Dorfman, uh, for those of you who don't know, he passed away in February of 2011. It was a great, great loss for sport. He was a pioneer in so many different ways. He was a coach, a counselor in his time. He was a um, consultant with many, many teams in the area of psychology. And he was one of the guys that sort of broke down the walls when it came to the mental aspects of sport. And he's still revered today and talked about today. He has a number of great books, of course, that are still out there being sold and influencing sport to this very day. He wrote the great books, The Mental Game of Baseball, The Mental ABCs of Pitching, uh, The Mental Keys of Hitting, Coaching the Mental Game, which is one of my personal favorites. And we had Harvey, he was you know, lucky enough, once I stepped down from the Blue Jays, we started Crush Performance. Um, he was one of the people I wanted to expose our listeners to. He was on our show a number of times. And you know, when we talked about sports psychology, he wouldn't use the term psychology. 
he would always refer to it as the mental game, the game within the game. And he loved it. But I'm telling you right now, just meeting Harvey for the first time and watching him come into the Blue Jays, because I'd already been there for a couple of years at the big league level. And Harvey came in when JP Ricciardi took over. And um, it was really interesting to see um, this person who hadn't been around the players come in sort of early in the season. We'd already started games. And just to watch his approach. I didn't know what it was all about. I didn't know Harvey. Uh, I heard of him, but I, I had, had not met him before. But to see how he talked to the players, to see how he presented his information and himself to the players was eye-opening to me. It was absolutely fantastic. The way he acted around the coaches, the way he was even around me as a young professional was really, really powerful stuff. And I think that's one of the reasons he was able to influence and touch so many athletes over the years from when he was teaching at high school to the NHL, to pro football, to even Major League Baseball and all the organizations he influenced as well. He's still influencing today. But one of the things that, you know, Harvey did really, really well is he got the best of players. He inspired them. He encouraged them. But I often thought it was a, in a hard way. Um, in a hard way, by, but I, what I mean by that is he, he really laid it out and held them accountable. Not to Harvey, not to the coaches, not to the organizations, but to themselves. And I think that was one of the powerful things that, that I really took away from Harvey and my time with Harvey is how he clearly defined expectations so there could be accountability. I don't think we have enough of that even today. You know, everybody's making demands. There's so much pressure out there. Um, but I think sometimes we forget about the process and we forget about how we're supposed to go about getting to where we want to go. And I guess when I say he was hard, um, I mean, he, he never pulled any punches. That's how to best explain it. He told it as he saw it. And I guess the best way to say it is he was honest. And you ask any player he ever worked with, um, that's probably the one thing they will say about Harvey Dorfman. So in the spirit of sharing information and exposing everybody out there to some of the great people that I've been lucky enough to be around, I wanted to share with you guys some of my time with Harvey Dorfman. Um, and of course, as I mentioned, he was on the radio show a number of times. And in one of his first visits on Crush Performance, I asked him about his approach. Here's what he had to say. Of course not. And what I told you in any world, I told you in my world, I was, I was, you know, overprotected and coddled and, and whatever. And it was killing me. You kill a person with kindness. You, I mean, you know, yeah. it was no good. See, the thing you say, the no BS and whatever, that's really the key. It's not that, okay, I have an aggressive style, whatever. They know me, but they know I'm compassionate. If I, I and I'll give you my credo in a moment, but the no BS is what scares people. That means all the word is, the, the polite word is honesty. You, I say, in my business, whatever you want to say about me, that's okay. But the only thing you can say that would bother me is he's dishonest. I will always tell the truth as I perceive it. Now, I could be wrong, Crusher, you know, yeah. but that's not being dishonest. I'm just wrong. And if I learn something about being wrong, then I fix it. And now I'll be right next time. 
But where athletes appreciate honesty, uh, one of them who's a, a farm director with a major league team, I had him as a player. He said, yeah, when Harvey tells you, it hurts for a couple of days. The truth, that is. But then you realize that's the answer. See, but right away, their, their ego is bruised. Their feelings are bruised. And you've heard me say, I don't care how you feel. I only care how you behave. That is such a great clip from one of our first visits on the radio show with Harvey Dorfman. And again, we were talking about his approach with players and how he's so effective at getting results or helping athletes get results. And it wasn't just the athletes. It was the coaches and the organizations. Honesty, the pillar of performance. Honesty, we have to tell the truth. Sometimes we're even scared to talk about what needs to get done in fear of offending somebody. Well, we're not helping anybody if we do that now. Again, I like what Harvey said. Hey, I might be wrong, but uh, I'll learn if I'm wrong and then we'll move forward in the right direction. But one of the things he said there has stayed with me and I've actually applied it to every single athlete that I've worked with. And and it's uh, certainly the honesty part, because that's the only way we can truly move forward. And again, on the show, you've heard heard me say it many, many times. If we're going to fix a problem, we better accurately define that problem. And listen to me carefully. You cannot accurately define a problem if you're not willing to talk openly about it. It has to happen. But one of the things that Harvey said, you know, when my wife first heard it, she goes, well, that doesn't sound very good. I said, what, what doesn't sound very good? He said, I don't care how you feel. I only care how you behave. And so I, I, I kind of stepped back and go, I can see how people might, might not quite get that, that he doesn't, Harvey cared how you felt. Don't get me wrong. I think what he's saying there, no, I know what he was saying there is you cannot let your feelings influence how you perform or your actions. You have to control your feelings and you have to do the right thing. And that's why he says, you know, I don't care how you feel. You can feel however you feel, but you better do the right thing. I only care about how you behave. Oh man, such, such great stuff. And in today's day and age, when there's so much pressure on kids and one of the things that we, that we Here, when we talk to our athletes, our professional athletes at the highest level who are under the spotlight, who are battling for their jobs or their next contract, who are battling to stay on top, who are looking for ways to constantly get better, or for the young developing athletes who are trying to chase down their dream. There's this conversation around character. And we often think that who we are right now is who we are. I'm here to tell you right now, that is not the truth. And it's one of the biggest mistakes scouting directors, recruiters, coaches, teachers, our parents, even ourselves. It's one of the biggest mistakes we make. We are who we are. Forget about it. Forget about it. You know, they talk about the intangibles, you know, the attitude, the grit, um, maybe the perseverance, the aggressiveness. Those are all things that are not intangibles. And I wrote a good, uh, long Um, blog a few years ago and the title was the intangibles not so intangible and I still believe that and I believe that even more today than I did even a few years ago it's trainable remember the two biggest influencers on who we are right now are the people around us and the environment we're in and the people around us can influence how we act how we train and that's why when you get into a great culture a great business organization, a great franchise, a great sporting team, 
you know, either you fit in or you don't, but everybody can fit in if they're willing to make the adjustments and you can fit in and make the organization better, but you're not going to last if you don't fit in and you take away. And this is something that I think we all need to be aware of. You can literally train the intangibles. They're not intangible in any way, shape or form. They're totally teachable. You can develop these traits. And Harvey uh, talked about it in a very, very particular way. I want to share this little soundbite with you from Harvey. This clip is called Mental Predisposition. Listen to this. You know, you watch me behave, and you'll, you'll lean over to the guy next to you and say, yeah, look at, look at that mental, be, mental makeup. Well, makeup means that's the way I am all the time in every situation. Not true. I can be a coward in one setting and a hero in another. You don't know that. So what I say is a mental predisposition. That means my genes, my personality, give me a predisposition for behaving in certain ways. But you know what? I can change. Meaning, listen, Chris, I was a bedridden kid for 12 years. I was treated soft because my mother was afraid, you know, I was going to die. The doctors had told them that. So, I mean, I ran away when I was 15 because I didn't want to get killed by love. So I toughened myself up. Well, now, you know, the people who knew me when I was a kid, relatives, let's say, who I haven't seen for years, they don't know who I am now. Well, they do in a way. But how did you get to be that way? <laughs> Through work? Working on it, that's how. Right. You know, through that insistent will. So a mental makeup implies that I'm stuck with whoever I am. And that's not true. You're not only a, a product of your genes, you're a product of your experience. And as Huxley said, experience isn't what happens to you, it's what you do with what happens to you. Mm. And so I did, I did what I had to do in order to be who I want to be. I didn't just say, there's a guy who said to a hitting coach, major league hitting coach, called me today, what do I do with this kid? He says, oh, you know I never hit in April. <laughs> yeah, you know, is that that's his makeup? Right. Is that I'm doomed in April? I mean, I, so I said, tell him you'll bench him then. Instead of doing the right thing. You're supposed to see the ball in April. You're supposed to see the ball in August. You're supposed to be relaxed. You're supposed to see it in the hitting zone. You're supposed to, you know, have a plan between the on-deck circle and the batter's box. You do that in every month. What are you talking about? But if you go up there beaten in April because you've accepted that, well, then that's your mental makeup. You're, you're horse bleep in April. Oh, I love that clip for so many different reasons. But I think one of the big takeaways here is you can change. You know, we train athletes for skill, talent, technically, tactfully. We pretty much know the human body when it comes to getting faster, higher, stronger, increasing range, vertical jump. All of this is not a problem in any way, shape, or form. We know this stuff. As long as the athlete's willing to put in the effort, uh, that deliberate work that we put in will get us the results, okay? And we don't know what those will be until we're done or until we go through the process, but we know what we're doing when it comes to pretty much all that stuff. But here's what we now need to realize when it comes to those character traits. We can change. And I love what he says there. When he's quoting Huxley, he says, experience is not what happens to you. It's what you do with what happens to you. And that is the key, Again, you know, we can let our experiences sort of just meander along like water through a landscape, or we can use our experiences to drive what we do 
moving forward, good and bad. We learn from the good, we learn from the bad. We're a product of our experiences. We can control what environment we're in. We can control the people around us. And we need to look at those two factors and make sure that one, they're a fit for us, but maybe even more importantly, that it's a fit for us right now. Because as we develop, again, one of our other favorite sayings here on the show is, what got you here will not get you there. And truer words have not been spoken. And I think that's kind of reflected in this, in this conversation with Harvey. And when we talk about that perspective, it comes down to what you're going to do. Young players need to learn how to break it down and how it works and how to make it work for you. So that takes us right into another conversation we were having with Harvey about understanding how to handle things and how to understand how you learn. Because if we're going to sit back and wait for other people to understand us, boy, boy, that's going to be a long, hard road. But if we can understand how we operate personally, we can have a better chance of adapting to our environments or making sure the environments we're in are even more suited to helping us achieve our goals. Here's another clip with Harvey talking about how to make it work for you. You know, if I said to you, oh, well, hard work, hard work will get you what you want. Nonsense. Effective hard work will get you what you want. So what these young kids have to do is learn through their experience how to break down some of these cliches, how to break down some of these absurdities of some of their coaches that they're going to have and start to think for themselves what works for me and be what I call an insistent will on making sure you do what works for you over and over again. I mean, that's Roy Halliday. He yeah. is, you know, relentless is, is the word I use all the time. And relentless in the pursuit of doing the right thing. So Harvey mentions uh, the late and great, of course, our good friend Roy Halliday. Uh, we spent many, many years with Roy in the Blue Jays organization. And actually in Roy's retirement speech, he actually mentions and credits Harvey for a lot of his success. And I know for a fact that Roy had the ABCs of pitching and it was dog-eared and worn out and he traveled with it everywhere, everywhere he went. It was sort of the Bible. And for a lot of players, uh, it still is today. But that's the power one person can have on a career, even with one of the best players in the game. And Harvey touched a lot of the great, great players, Um, not just when they were coming up and working their way through the process, but trying to help them understand and deal with everything that goes on at the highest level of sport. But that's a consistent theme across the board. It doesn't matter where you are in the developmental model, whether you're at the grassroots, whether you're chasing down your high school varsity teams, whether you're vying for a college scholarship, trying to go pro, where you're at right now is incredibly important. And understanding how to deal with things at that point in time is is really important. And Harvey mentions in that clip that you really have to learn how to think for yourself. And when we sit down with an organization or when I sit down with an athlete to start working with them, you know, we do have conversations and sometimes they're deep, hard conversations. But one of the things I always talk about is having the athlete decide which way they want to go. You know, they have to pick and choose. They have to listen to everything. Never dismiss anything. Listen to everything and then pick and choose what's going to be valuable for you at that point in time. 
even the stuff that I say to them. I said, look, I, I don't know it all. I don't even know if what I'm saying right now is the right thing to say, but here's some things that we need to start thinking about. So even from the things that I might suggest to an athlete, I say, hey, look, listen, and then we'll have a discussion or pick and choose what might be important or what you feel is important. But here's the flip side of that. We're very, very poor self-evaluators and we can't do it alone. So that's why open discussions are so critically important between coaches, teachers, parents, athletes, children, students, and employees across the board. This is a human thing above all. And that's why I love, love the approach Harvey had. I really do. And um, I really try to uh, do it justice as I work with organizations and athletes. And I hope I hope some of this conversation today might help you guys in some way, shape, or form. But wherever you're at, it's not easy. It really isn't. It, again, it's all relative to where you are at a, this particular point in time. Just because you're at a developmental level doesn't mean it's any harder or easier than if you're in the pros, because it's not. It's relative to where you're at. And one of the things that we often talk to Harvey about is just the perspective and keeping it in perspective because there's so much pressure out there. And I think if we can sort of keep things in check, it can really help you deal with the things that are either holding you back or the things that are going to help you move forward. Here's a great, great clip with Harvey Dorfman talking about courage, the mental approach, and keeping in mind that it's just a game. For the young athletes, the coaches, the parents out there, what are some of the key concepts they could take home and maybe to their practice even this evening that may help them in terms of their mental approach to, to sport? Well, you know, that's, it's a big question, and, and, and naturally I would have a long answer to it, but let me try to keep it simple. The first thing about the mental game is if someone said to me, in fact, numbers of people have said to me, when you're looking, if scouts and whatever, if we're looking at players, what is the one characteristic you would advise us to look for in looking at an athlete? And my answer has always been aggressiveness. Hmm. Be aggressive. Now, the next thing, because to dovetail that with your question, where does that come from? Well, it comes from courage. And that's the word. When you talk about the mental approach, you, you must have courage. What are you talking about? Courage. It's a game. You know, it's fun. It, it, well, as you well know, it is fun when you're innocent. As athletes progress, it becomes less fun because, and this is a generalization, because the importance of it is magnified rather than the joy of competition, of self-growth, of pitting yourself against somebody else and seeing, can I be a formidable opponent? Can I compete well? So the mental part of it changes from this innocence where you just love playing the game when you're a kid. If you can keep that innocence, now you're not going to keep innocence in this world, sorry, but it won't happen. But if you can keep that corner of yourself innocent, in this regard, it is just a game. It is not life or death. Well, then that will free you up to have this 
middle edge because you will then be thinking about the competition all the time. How do I play this game? What do I have to do here? You know, what's required in this situation instead of, oh my gosh, I hope I don't mess this up. Oh, I don't want to fail. Oh, I hope the coach doesn't yell at me. Oh, I hope I I get uh, drafted in this round. See, that's complete loss of innocence. A lot of it is the fault of, and you know, society, parents, coaches, circumstance. But I, I said this to a guy on the phone today. Remember, no one can mess you up without your permission. Okay, well, this is probably one of the greatest lessons I ever took away from Harvey Dorfman. Well, one of, <laughs> maybe a top 10, top 20, top 100. I'm not sure, but... I can't take away from the importance of that particular statement. And I say this to my girls all the time. I have three daughters at home. And I say this to my athletes as well, especially when the going gets tough or when they feel there's been an injustice or that they've been cheated or things aren't working out the way that things are working out. No one can mess you up without your permission. And everybody needs to understand this. Nobody can impact you unless you allow them to impact you. We always get our athletes to focus on the things that they can control, not the uncontrollables. And if you let those uncontrollables get into your world and impact you the wrong way, well, that's a big problem. And again, that's a learned skill as well. Just like everything else we do, this must be practiced. But in order to practice it, you have to talk about it. What a great message for the kids out there. Okay, I want you guys to listen to this carefully. Okay, from one of my great mentors. No one can mess you up without your permission. Such a powerful statement. And I also like how he talked about aggressiveness and aggression, you know, and it takes courage to be aggressive. It takes courage to put yourself out there and try your very best. It really, really does. Oh, just love this stuff. But in the essence of it all, we have to keep in mind that it's truly just a game. If we can keep this in perspective, trust me, everything gets easier. We will find out how good you can get. Do we know? I, say, I just asked the, the players in Puerto Rico here this last, last three or four days. Do we know how good you can get? And they think about it for a second. So I'll ask you the same question. Do we know how good you can get? I don't care if you're running a 10K or if you're running your first marathon or if you're playing Little League Baseball or Minor League Hockey, Pop Warner Football. It doesn't matter if you're training for the Olympics or if you're a Cy Young Award winner or if you're an all-star. The question is the same, but it's also relative to everybody we ask it to. Do we know how good you can get? The answer is no. We do not know. We don't know how much better a perennial all-star can be. We don't know how fast you can run your 5K. We won't find out until you go through a really good developmental process. And this is where I think sporting organizations as a whole are missing out, especially at the developmental levels, but also at the professional level. I think there's a lot of pro organizations that just don't have the infrastructure together to really tap into potential because there's so much pressure to win. And there's so much pressure to do well. And it takes courage to step out there and, and, and potentially fail. Now, an organization that embraces failure and uses it as one of the stepping stones to seeing how good you can actually become, well, now we're talking about something really, really serious. So it does take courage. And remembering that it's just a game can help, help keep things in perspective. But while it is just a game, doesn't make it any less serious that you want to chase down that goal or achieve that goal. So it's still serious stuff, but we have to learn 
to keep it fun. And that's not always easy. Here's what Harvey had to say about that. But how does a young kid know that? I mean, he's, he's, he's so at the mercy of all these other authority figures. Well, this is what, if you're dealing with young people, of course, this is what you're thinking about, to remind them that they have to grow up on the one hand to take responsibility by saying no to the wrong things, by saying yes to the right things. We can get into steroids, too. And keep the innocence at the same time. My gosh, that is a formidable task. This clip in particular is from a very, very important conversation we had with Harvey about the developmental game and why athletes go to the dark side, the pressure that we put on athletes, and how some athletes lose their way along their adventure into high-performance sports because they don't know how to get results. Maybe they're stalemated or maybe they're so frustrated or maybe they realize at some point that they just can't get any better. And we talked about steroids. We uh, talked about the depression rates. We also talked about the serious, serious conversation of suicide here. And I believe sport can be a platform, a very, very powerful platform to talk about all of these things. And we do know that exercise helps with the mental state. We do know that talking about sleep and nutrition can enhance mood, uh, even just for general life. So there's a lot of things that come out of this. But the number one thing is keeping it fun. And I think, yes, we've lost some of the innocence in sport. I mean, it's a massive industry now, and there's so much pressure to succeed. The dropout rates are at an all-time high. Injury rates, despite everything we know at every single level of sport, are at some of the highest, highest um, incidences in recorded history. The injury rates are at the highest they've ever been. So I think sometimes we need to step back, or if you're in the system, you may need to take a step back and just sort of understand that it's fun. Getting better is fun. Part of getting better is failing. Failing is not fun. It never is. But learning from failure and knowing that it's going to make you better, hell, that can be fun. Make it fun. Injuries aren't fun. We always frame our injuries because we know how devastating an injury can be for an athlete at any level of sport. We frame our injuries as opportunities. When you get injured, It allows us to work on things and develop things and train things that you would not normally work on if you're healthy. So it can be an opportunity. We just need to frame it that way. And that's a frame of mind. And again, that takes courage as well. But, you know, it is a formidable task, especially at the developmental levels when it seems so far away. But here's what I can tell you. In my experiences with professional and Olympic athletes, they all say getting there was one thing, but the hardest thing they've ever done done or ever had to do was staying at the top of the game. So it's all, again, all a perspective thing. And while it's easy to talk about perspective, um, it's not always easy to practice that, right? I get caught up in it as well. It's not always easy to be positive and gung ho. Sometimes, Hey, sometimes you get down, but if you have processes and checks in place, um, it's that much easier to stay on track, whether you're going really good or whether things seem to be falling apart. And I'm going to tell you right now, I'm, I'm so glad we're able to do this show today coming off of again, two great episodes here on crush performance, because I'm going to share with you what might be some of the most powerful advice I ever heard Harvey Dorfman, um, share with athletes and, and myself as well. And it's all about processes, learning as we go, failure, success, And remember what we talked about earlier, 
uh, Huxley said, um, it's not the experiences, it's what you do with the experiences. Well, that's what this is about. Because if we can frame this properly, when the going gets tough and you seem to be stuck, this can really help out. And I've seen players stick this on their lockers. I've seen players write this on their hats. I've seen them, you know, post it on sticky post-it notes uh, on their mirror so they see it every morning when they wake up. Three simple words. And this is some of the most important advice I ever received from Harvey Dorfman. And I think it's one of the most powerful things I could ever share with you. It's, as a matter of fact, it is the uh, grand finale of my book, The Performance Plan. It is sort of um, the... Uh, the real kickoff to the next phase, the performance plan. When I wrote that book, I wasn't sure what to write, but it's about setting yourself up for success. And this conversation um, warranted a chapter in the book. Listen to this. If, you're, if your car is stuck in the mud, okay, and then you just keep on bearing down on the pedal, what happens is something is a result of that behavior. You make no adjustment. You just work harder at it. And there is what the metaphor is in sport. You're in a rut. And when you're playing, you're in a metaphorical rut. Meaning, you keep on accelerating the mistake you make. You don't fix anything, you make it worse. But there's, there's a technique, a mental technique. For example, if I screw up, all right, so now, all right, I try harder next time. I'm going to really do this. Well, there's my rut. This is what I ask an athlete to do when something doesn't go well. You ask yourself, and I t- if I'm talking to a group, this is what I'd say. Ask yourself these three questions, and I said them before. I'll go slower. What was I trying to do here? What went wrong? What, do I'm, what am I going to do next time? Now, in, in assessing what, what, what was I trying to do, you're evaluating your approach. What went wrong, you're evaluating the result. What am I going to do next time? That's your response. And it is preparation for the next approach so that you have an approach, a result, and a response. The athlete has entire control over the approach, mentally and physically, and the response. He hasn't got control over the result. Approach, result, response. These words have been burned into my mind, and I think I've tried to burn them into the minds of my athletes and people I work with, and certainly my daughters and my family as well, because it's such a great system to use, especially when you're stuck, when you're working through a process or working towards something. Approach, result, response. Remember what we said earlier, a problem accurately defined is already partially solved. It is very, very difficult to fix a problem if we don't know what the problem is. And so you have to pay attention because it's not easy. It is not easy. But this little system has helped so many athletes achieve success. And you don't need to be really complicated. The system doesn't need to be incredibly elaborate, though there's places for that stuff. Sometimes you just need a real simple approach to getting stuff done. And that's what the process of development is. Sometimes we lose sight of this. And sometimes it takes some people longer to develop and have success than others. We need to remember this as well. You can't compare yourself to others. You have to stay on your track and maximize your development because it's going to be incredibly different than anybody else around you. Coaches need to understand that. Scouts, recruiters need to do it. Talent evaluators need to understand that. Teachers, employers need to understand this. You know, we often slough off some of the greatest talent that there possibly could ever be for talent that might appear to be better at this point in time. 
And yet we're probably dismissing some of the greatest talents who will ever walk the earth because they weren't just showing their talent at this particular time. Such an important conversation. And the other thing I think to take away from this is the fact that no, you don't control the results. You have to keep in mind, you have to constantly remind your athletes, stay in control of what you can control. Do not worry about the uncontrollables. The results are largely, if not 100% out of your control. Can you influence the result? Yes, good results are the result. <laughs> I guess if you want to put it that way, good results are the result of really, really accomplished good processes. Winning is the result of a process. Winning cannot be a goal. There are too many variables in the process of winning. What you need to focus on is the process of performing your best. And if that results in a win, great. If it doesn't, reflect, go back, start your next approach until you get to the point where you are winning, where your performance is good enough, where the process has gotten you to a level where you're good enough to win constantly. And then search for ways to get better. One of the final conversations we had with Harvey Dorfman for me was one of the greatest conversations we could have ever had. This is our sign off with our final conversation on crush performance with Harvey Dorfman. I'm just going to let this one roll. Being nervous, which is the word you gave, being anxious, anxious, anxiety takes it to the psychological level of being dysfunctional. I was scared out of my gourd before I played, when I played. Why? Because I, first of all, I knew I wasn't very talented. But what I also knew is pay attention to the game, not to your feelings. They'll go away. They'll dissipate. In other words, you know, is, is the tail wagging the dog? No, I'm the dog. I'll wag the tail. I am going to pay attention. As soon as the game started and I'm involved in the game, that stuff goes away. Now, if you're talking about an anxiety where a guy can't get over it and is dysfunctional when he plays, well, that's another, that's Chuck, a long, that's real. Sure, Chuck Knobloch might be a good example there. That's right. That's, that's exactly right. That's a good example. And that's complicated and, and that's not for now, I'm sure. But yeah. what happens is if you start giving power to nervousness, to sweaty palms and dry mouths and that, then, you know, it's going to distract you. You won't play well and you'll say, see, I can't play well when I'm nervous. Instead of what I had to do because I had no talent is pay attention. Mm -hmm. That was my credo. Pay attention. Now, what am I paying attention to? What I have to do in the game. And guess what? I'm not, I'm not anxious anymore just goes away you can ask people in, in the military about this yeah so uh, interesting stuff performance anxiety the credo pay attention words of wisdom by harvey dorfman harvey we really appreciate your time uh, you know it's been a, a, a long time since we've talked to you we do not get you on enough we know you're very very busy working with the, the boris corporation and all his elite athletes but uh, once again we really appreciate your time well, I'm glad to be here. Let me just say in closing that credo is to be strong without being insensitive, to be compassionate without being weak. That means you have to learn how to move back and forth between those two to be effective. So it's not either or. All right. All right. Russia, thanks for having me. Ladies and gentlemen, Harvey Dorfman. Harvey, appreciate it. Okay. Bye-bye. Okay, well, listen, I am just so very, very proud that I was able to share this week's episode with you. Again, when I started out this week, I wasn't sure. There's so many things to talk about. But coming off these last two shows and with a question from 
uh, the young baseball players here in Puerto Rico, who was somebody who influenced my development? Well, as you can see, probably now, Harvey Dorfman was one of the greatest influences on how I decided to move forward with my career. So many other people influenced me, and they still are. But Harvey uh, will always have a special place for me, for sure, and I hope for you as well. Um, this is a show that, you know what, I hope you can share this show because uh, Harvey really, really did break down barriers at a time when the mental game and sports psychology was really, you know, sort of shunned on in, in one, of those, one of those things in sport that, you know, players sort of kept away from. Now it's very accepted, and uh, Harvey had a lot to do with that. But more importantly, I think his message is so, so clear and important. And it took him a lifetime to put together that approach as well. So for him to share it with us through his books, of course, and also through being on Crush Performance and our radio show. Oh my goodness, what a gift. What a gift. And I can't think of a better gift as the holiday season approaches than, than sharing this information with you guys. So I hope you really, really enjoyed today's show. I hope you'll share it. And I just would ask you one thing today. And you know, I never do this if you listen to the show, but if there was something you took away from today's show, something that you found important or valuable, write to me, Jeff at crushperformance.com. That's crush with a K. Jeff at crushperformance.com. I would love to hear from you. I'd love to hear how maybe some of Harvey's advice uh, might help you along the way, or maybe you've heard it before in a different way. Um, but, but please write to me. I'd love to hear if you guys have taken something out of this show. I'm just really, really proud to share this one. So, so anyway, that'll do it for this week, everybody. I'm so glad that uh, you're listening in. I hope you're able to share this with your teammates, friends, fellow coaches, employees, whatever. Uh, share the show. And we'll talk to you next time on Crush Performance. Now get out there and go get better. Talk to you next week. Goodbye now. Don't forget to ride. This is a place for my head quick fix on Radio Influence. I don't know if anybody else can relate. This is, this is my daily. So I wake up in the morning and my mind is, is, is faster than, you know, a NASCAR on, on, on you know, Daytona Sunday. It's, it's just spinning and spinning and spinning and spinning. And I got to slow it down and I got to digest whatever's going on in my day and put tasks in front of me, goals in front of me, and achieve those. I take it back to the octopus because the octopus has eight tentacles. You have four on one side and you have four on the other. No matter what, that, that octopus has got to eat. It's got to live. It's got to hunt. It's got to do things that are challenging for it. It's got to disguise itself as a defense mechanism, I guess you could say. Um, to blend in with things, to avoid being killed. Um, it also does that to hunt. Um, so really, it has all these different features to get through its life under the, under the water in the sea, right? Well, same with me. So I look at the tentacles as four of them being good and four of them being bad. And that's just a general statement. So it could apply to politics. It can apply to... Um, Friends, it can apply to spouses and you know your partners and whatnot. It can you know shitty family members, what whatever. Um, somehow, I have to find that balance in between because if if the octopus can't get all eight tentacles together in sync, it will die. A place for my head with Brandon Thompson and Jerry P. Tuck can be found on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, TuneIn Radio, Google Podcasts, and RadioInfluence.com.